0: the marquee lit up the summer skies of 1923. Not long after, things began to happen. On a street with no name in an all-but-forgotten town in the somewheres of America sits the old Bijou movie palace, long abandoned and left to the elements. They knew the bijou had been built atop the remains of the fire-ravaged Vickers Hotel, but the warnings went unheeded. Then there were the sightings. The child's apparition running up the stairs. The woman in period clothing appearing on the balcony. Reflections of faces in the poster display cases. But, eventually, the tapestries faded and the coffered ceiling cracked. A cathedral to the sweetest dreams and darkest nightmares fell to pieces. But at night, if you listen, you can hear the bijou's projector being turned on and the audience settling in for another Midnight Matinee. And now, the conclusion of London After Midnight. Adapted by Lance Roger Axt and Kenton Hall. Based on the silent film by Voldemort Young and Todd Browning, and originally starring Lon Chaney. Directed by Jack Bowman and Kenton Hall.
1: Lucy?
2: Oh, Jerry, thank goodness. The minutes have felt like hours. Is that so? Whatever is the matter?
1: You don't know? I'm sure I don't. No sooner do you declare your love for me you're kissing Inspector Burke. But that... Yes? You saw? Well?
2: I'm sorry, I... I can't explain it. Please don't ask me.
1: I don't understand you. I... I don't understand you at all.
2: Jerry... You do love me, don't you? Of
1: course I do, but... Love
2: without trust is no love at all. Trust me now.
1: I want to, Lucy.
2: These are dark times. If I must earn your trust, then I will tell Sir James everything this very moment.
1: Everything? Lucy, what's gotten into you?
2: I, we, have waited long enough.
3: (sighs) There must be a way. This cannot stand.
2: Sir James, I must speak to... Lucy! Oh, forgive me, I'm interrupting you at your work.
3: <laughs> no, uh, not at all. Actually, you could not have come at a more opportune time. James? Lucy, I have known you since you were a girl.
2: Yes, Sir James, and I have always been grateful for your many kindnesses, but... Uh...
3: Uh, please, let me finish. I'm not a man given to admitting my weaknesses, and I fear if I don't speak now, I will be forever silent.
2: Please, Sir James, before... I
3: love you, Lucy. There. I've said it. I love you, and I want to marry you.
2: Sir James... Ah,
3: I know this may seem sudden, but I assure you I have borne this weight upon my heart for too many years, and with everything that has occurred, I am reminded of how short a span we are allotted. Uh, Sir James, I'm... Please, if you are truly grateful for my kindnesses, then do not reject me outright. Sir James, I... Think on it. You owe me that at least... Very well. Now, as you rightly surmised, I have much work to do. I shall look forward to discussing this further, Lucy.
2: Yes, Sir James.
4: Miss Balfour? My dear, what is it? Sir
2: James, he...
4: Trust me, Miss Balfour, many a tongue will run wild before the sun rises.
2: Did you mean what you said before?
4: On my life. And have you? Not yet, Miss Balfour. But please continue to put your faith in me. I will not abuse it. And most certainly, let me worry about Sir James. Ah. There you are, Burke. James, I've just run into Miss Balfour, quite literally. Oh, yes. What possible good did it do to tell that poor young woman of your feelings when you know hers are spoken for? You overstep, Burke. Has this household not suffered enough pain?
3: You're damn right it has. Though if you would only take me seriously, we could put an end to it, once and for all.
4: Very well, James. What did you have in mind? Tube roses. No, oh, sorry. A wreath of tube roses. Sir James's books were very clear on the subject. A wreath of tube roses at the window and a sword across the door will make it impossible for the vampire to enter a sleeping room at night. <sighs> Do you
1: know how my father convinced me to follow him into the family trade? A quiet life, he said. A gardener's life is a quiet one. Still, right you are. Mr. Murphy, you best get them horses inside.
2: And you've made one for every room?
1: No, just for you. Thankfully, the estate itself is well armed. blade to cross the door.
3: Lucy. Forgive me. I uh, came to see if you were all right.
2: I am very tired.
3: Of
5: course.
1: Miss Balfour? Good night, Lucy. Is something wrong, Sir James? To bed, Hibbs. Mr. Hibbs. No, please, Inspector Burke. Come right in.
4: Apologies, Mr. Hibbs. I noticed your light was on.
1: I can see how you made your reputation as a detective. What do you need? Answers. Always answers. Ten o'clock. I'm sorry, am I keeping you? You burst in here, if you recall.
4: You and Miss Lucy's brother, Harry. You didn't like each other very much, did you? Where did you hear that? The help. They were very forthcoming. It wasn't
1: much of a secret. He objected to my... caring for Lucy.
4: He thought I wasn't good enough for her. Brotherly protectiveness. Snobbish pretension. And your employer? Sir James. Well, he... So much for the lights. Well, Hide! What? Now, closet, go! Don't move! I said... Blast it! Gone! What, what? is going on out here? My imagination has run away with me, Sir James. You're a terrible influence. I go back to bed.
3: Considering the dream I was having, I think I prefer to remain awake. Wait... What's that on the floor?
4: That remains to be seen, Sir James. Let there be light. Mr. Hibbs, you can come out now. I'm sorry, I... I must have fallen asleep. I I don't know how I... Did you... Whoever it was made their escape. But I believe we're safe for the moment. Unless you'd like me to procure a sword for your door. <sighs> I'm no longer sure. You should get back to sleep. In the bed this time, perhaps.
1: Burke, wait! What is going on? 2 a.m.? 2 a.m.? But I could have sworn...
4: Burke? Sir James? Who's Balfour? Please, answer. Burke, the sword's gone. Lucy! Help me with this door. One, two, Three. three! Lights, quickly! Gone. Lucy.
1: I can't believe I'm saying this, but perhaps Sir James was right all along. There is definitely something unearthly afoot.
4: More blood here in the hall. Miss Balfour clearly left via the window, whether under her own power or not. Enough. I will not abandon her to her
1: fate. How do we stop them, Sir James? The one certain method which never fails is to drive a
3: hickory stake through the vampire's heart. That part I memorized.
4: timing, as always. Who? Scotland Yard. I assume you messaged them as I requested, Sir James? Yes, though what good they'll be against our current foes, I can't imagine. Whatever the truth, we are all entitled to answers. Follow me. All I can say for certain, Doris,
5: was that it was no human scream I heard. Demon, I wager.
2: Why would the demon be screaming?
5: Why else? To unsettle the God-fearing.
2: I assure you, I'd
3: be plenty unsettled by a silent demon.
1: Just you stay by me and you'll be fine. I need an axe. A Now, Mr. Williams. This chair isn't hickory. What here is hickory? The the table. Uh, I need a stake.
4: I've spoken to our Scotland Yard guests. They will join us at the house. We will see Miss Balfour safely return to us tonight.
3: You seem damn sure of yourself.
4: You'll need a gun. Now keep that in your pocket. It appears I have to call upon our old friend Roger Balfour. The time is now 2.30. Sir James? Yes? The clock upon the mantel. Do you mark it? Yes. When it strikes three, you are to follow me to Balfour House. Is that understood? What? I'm coming now. Sir James, you will do as I ask. All will be well. You must trust justice. Wait, 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 wait. where's Hibbs? Damn it. The love struck fool will ruin everything. What? James, stay here and do not follow until that clock strikes three.
0: Sir.
1: Where's Miss Smithson? Knowing her, locked in her room. Good. Doris, bar the door behind me. Let no one, and I mean no one in, except for Inspector Burke, Sir James or myself. Is that clear? Yes. Good.
3: (sighs) Where are you?
4: Lucy.
1: Lucy! Mr. Hibbs.
2: Jerry, my love, you must leave now.
1: Lucy, what's going on? Who on earth is that with you?
2: Please go.
1: I'd listen to
5: my daughter
1: if I were you.
5: The wound? You recognize me? Your
1: father? What devilry is this? He must leave.
4: Please, Jerry, I beg of you. I won't abandon you. I'm
2: afraid I must disagree! (gasps) Jerry!
4: Was that absolutely necessary? He could not be
2: dissuaded. You've hurt him. I was as gentle as I could be, under the circumstances. I'm so sorry, Miss
4: Lucy. He will recover. Faint heart never won, fair lady, I suppose. We seem to have underestimated your young man's chivalry, Miss Balfour.
2: I did try to tell you.
4: You did? I'm afraid my line of work has caused my finer feelings to grow jaded. Miss Sir so we must hope so. It's time to end this. Yes, Mr. Balfour? Provided we're sure uh, this is going to work. Hmm? It will, Mr. McEnroy. It must, or a great injustice will have been done. Mr. Fernsby. You'll be wanting your cloak in that, sir. How's your voice holding up? Ted's
1: sore. Nothing a good shot of
4: scotch won't take care of. Final scene's yours. Miss Smithson. Didn't you say you played some piano?
2: Some, yes.
4: How are you with a harpsichord?
5: (laughs) The award-winning London After Midnight is now available for purchase as an ad-free binaural digital download, as a Dolby Atmos digital download, and a two-disc limited edition vinyl record album. Plus, we've taken the London After Midnight audio script and production notes, combined them with a novelization of the original story, and are making that available as an official collection. But you can only find the downloads, the album, and the Script and Novel Collection at www.londonaftermidnight.co.uk Please don't make us call the Man in the Beaver Hat.
4: Sir James?
3: Yes? What is it?
4: It's time, Sir James.
3: Yes. Yes, of course. Time for what? Mr Balfour awaits you. Ah. Yes. That's right. Lead on. (laughs) May I take your coat, sir? Very kind. Please take a seat. The others will be
4: through shortly. But there was no phone. You're mistaken, Sir James. Balfour House is occupied by your friend Roger Balfour, and his daughter Lucy. All is as it was.
3: Oh. Yes. Of course.
0: Sir James.
5: Ah, my dear Lucy. My, what a big girl you're becoming. Yes, it seems her childhood is very nearly behind her. Roger. Good to see you, old man. Where's the son and air? Mm. On his travels. We're still at cross purposes, I'm afraid. I'm sorry to hear that.
0: He's very cross with father.
5: Lucy? He is. That's as may be. But I don't think Sir James needs to hear about our family business,
4: hmm? Oh, I think we should all like to hear more about the family business. What was that? Conscience, perhaps?
5: What was that, James?
2: Are you well? You look quite pale.
5: That's enough, Lucy. I'll go and see to her studies and let Sir James and me speak in private. Yes. That's how it happened, isn't it? Just like that.
2: Good night, Sir James.
5: My apologies, old man. I didn't think either of us would like Lucy to hear what I have to say. Uh, I'm afraid I don't know what you mean. You've always envied Balfour House, haven't you? You have a beautiful home, Roger, I won't deny it. Had, would be more correct. You were certainly quick to purchase it following my recent financial difficulties. Just try to help. You and the children are like family to me. And I have been terribly grateful to you and your discretion. Don't mention it. Roger, where is this leading? Imagine my chagrin when I discovered that you, James, you were the architect of my ruin what cheating me and my company for years under the guise of friendship what are you saying now
4: we get to the heart of it
5: i'm saying sir james that i should have listened to my son's suspicions
3: Harry? Oh, please. We we both know Harry's business acumen
5: ran a distant second to his wine and his women. Even a stopped clock, Sir James. Balfour House wasn't enough. You wanted the whole of my business. Why? Because you were a failure with your own, just as you have been a failure at everything you have ever attempted. Roger, All right. my life, betrayal after betrayal, my friend cuckolding me, my partners leaving me for my competitors, and now you, you, you. I should have seen through you before it was too late. Step away from me. When there was more to be done than simply take my revenge. I said get... <sighs> <sighs> Stop
4: this! And you can stop this, Sir James. I will
5: ruin you, James Hamlin, as you have ruined me.
4: He could, you know. Take away everything you worked so hard for. You have to I... stop him. Stop him like I... you stopped him before. Don't want to do this! But you must. Mustn't you? Ha! Uh.
3: What have I done?
4: Yes, Sir James. What precisely have you done? I killed Roger Balfour. Are you all right, Mr McEnroy? Never better.
2: You were right, Inspector. I didn't want to believe it, but you were right.
4: You were fortunate for many years, weren't you?
3: Everyone believed Roger had done away with himself. His business had collapsed.
4: He'd had to sell Balfour House.
2: But Harry suspected, didn't he?
4: He did? Then what? He came home one day, confronted you, said he had proof. So you decided to cloak your treachery in a supernatural (laughs) disguise, pulled vampires out of your godforsaken books, and set them on a family freshly grieving. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) You must have been alarmed when I brought your story to life on your very doorstep. How how did you know? Unfortunately, Harry Balfour had confided in the (laughs) domestic staff with whom he had spent so much of his childhood. When we found poor Mr Balfour's body, we knew
1: who was responsible. Mm, We called Scotland Yard.
3: It wasn't right. He couldn't go unavenged. You were always such a callous young man, James Hamlin. Though I never thought you were killer. All of this... this
4: masquerade? A psychological manipulation not unlike your own morbid charade. Although I will admit mine was far more elaborate and successful. As your father may have told you, I had... have a fondness for the theatrical.
2: Sir James, you... you...
4: Like Miss Balfour, I had no desire to believe the son of one of my oldest friends capable of such malevolence. Though he often worried about your heartlessness. I
3: am not heartless. Not entirely. You bastard! Here now.
4: Here now, miss. It's all over, Miss Lucy. You truly love Lucy Balfour. I suspect Jerry Hibbs would have been your next victim had we not intervened. Thank God you scared
1: him off. Oh, my head. Lucy. Lucy. Jerry.
4: You don't deserve her, Hibbs. He deserves her a damn sight more than you do. And what's more important? She wants him. Come in, men. Sir? Yes? Who are you? what on earth are you wearing? I am, I can assure you, your superior officer. And this is a disguise I hope not to have to revisit. Remove him. Why didn't you tell me?
2: I wanted to, but...
4: Well, I wouldn't permit it. You're a terribly emotional person, Mr. Hibbs, a charming enough character defect, but one that would have ruined everything. Really? It was safer for everyone if you were kept in the dark, along with... Uh! Oh,
1: Jerry! Sorry. Must be those damned emotions of mine.
2: Jerry, wait, please.
4: Inspector, you want me to... No, No, no. Leave him. I feel as though I ought to thank you for your hospitality, but at the same time, it seems untoward. Has Mr. Hibbs accepted your apology?
2: I went even further, Mr. Burke. I got on my knees and asked him to marry me.
4: Well, shouldn't that be the other way around?
2: He has humbled himself for me on more occasions than I can count.
4: Well, I hope you continue to do so for each other. Do tell him that his, um, his right hook was rather impressive and somewhat deserved
2: we owe you our lives
4: if I might recommend alongside some hefty bonuses for your rather extraordinary domestic staff that you veer towards bright colours for the happy day
2: (laughs) Mr Hibbs something to eat I don't think you've eaten since yesterday
1: no I don't think so
2: not a problem at all. I'll make you some nice sandwiches.
1: And how about some fresh cut flowers? For your office. Oh, uh, alright I suppose. Right away. Coming right up. Pardon me. Of course. Sir James is in a cell. We've finished conducting interviews. So I think we'll be on our way. Yes, you will. And the inspector? Inspector Neville. He'll be on his way back to London, I'm assuming. Neville? Yes, Inspector Neville. Not him, Inspector Burke. I assure you, I arrived here in the company of Inspector Jim Neville. Although, I think I've heard him speak of an Inspector Burke. Left for her India some years back, if memory serves.
5: Sir, forgive me. This telegram just arrived, marked urgent. Well, if there's nothing else.
1: Yes, yes.
5: Sir James Hamlin, my sincere regret to inform you, your father's former friend and confidant, Edward Burke, killed last week in Bombay. Stop. Motorbike he was driving collided with automobile. Stop. Died instantly. Stop. Condolences to you and yours. Colonel G. Richmond Yates. Stop.
1: That... that can't
5: be. That... that that can't be. Sir...
1: Lucy. Where's Lucy?
5: With Inspector Burke, sir, at Balfour House.
1: Dear God!
2: You have the sort of face it's easy to trust. When it's not covered in that frightful makeup and that hideous hat.
4: The justice of one's mission leaves its mark, I must assume. But now I've reached its completion, it's time I took my leave. Oh. This family has spent long enough in the dark and the debt is finally paid.
2: Debt? Goodbye,
4: Lucy. Goodbye, and good luck.
1: Lucy. Jerry? Burke, where is he? Oh,
2: you just missed him.
1: Jerry, whatever Did t- he say anything to you? Did he say anything?
2: Something about darkness and a debt being paid? Oh, a strange and remarkable man. Why? What is it? Read this. But it's quite impossible.
1: What reason would Yeats have to lie about something like that?
2: But but, but the idea that we've been in the company of... Uh,
1: A guardian angel, I'd have said.
2: The living granted us devils enough, that is certain.
1: Wait. McEnry said something when he was playing your father...
2: I barely remember.
1: Did I imagine it? Something about him being cuckolded? (gasps) No. What is it?
2: My mother left my father, it's true, when I was very young. It was a terrible scandal. Father never spoke of it.
1: (sighs) You don't think?
2: His face. It was so easy to trust his face.
4: Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? No, not seven times, Jesus replied, but seventy times seven. Or once, Roger, my friend. Once would be enough.
0: London After Midnight featured the voices of Art Malik as Detective Edward Burke, Beth Eyre, Kenton Hall, David Bickerstaff, David K. Barnes, Sarah Dorset, Kareem Cronfly, Abby McLaughlin, Cliff Chapman, Jack Bowman, and Dan Starkey as Sir James Hamlin. I am Sally Walker Taylor. London After Midnight was based on the silent film by Voldemort Young and Todd Browning and starring Lon Chaney. Adapted for audio by Lance Roger Axt and Kenton Hall and directed by Jack Bowman and Kenton Hall. Sound design by O'Shea Creative Media. Music by Kenton Hall and Brett Richardson. Recorded at The Soundhouse Limited, London midnight matinees comes to you from pocket universe productions in association with audio marvels uk and monkey basket entertainment and with that the theater is closed